silence. Noise. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. Do you hear words? Is my voice far, far away, or is it right here in the room? Great radio is everywhere, but you can't be. Which is why ReSound collects, curates, and brings you the best stories from around the world. We listen to everything we can get our ears on, on the air, the internet, via podcast, or sounds that come out of the woodwork, and share them with you each week on ReSound. I mean, I used to love music, but then I had a, um, a neurological problem, which is um, uh, an intolerance to load, to noise. Maybe this has happened to you. Out of nowhere, you start to hear a tone in your right ear or your left. It doesn't really exist, but you hear it anyway. Or maybe you have just the opposite problem and you can't hear the sounds that do exist. They feel far away, muffled, or they just don't register at all. As receivers, our ears are complex and our brains, as interpreters, fallible. Between one and the other, a whole host of things can go wrong in some very interesting ways, as you'll hear today on ReSound. Stay with us. Amanda McDonough has had hearing problems since she was a child, but she always took it in stride, singing in high school musicals and acting in school plays. Then a few years ago, her hearing disappeared altogether. Here's the story of what she decided to do next. The summer of 2011. My goal was to get back in shape and actively pursue my acting career. When I met a boy. That's not how all these stories start. (laughs) He got sick. Nothing big, nothing exciting, just... A normal sore throat and a cough. I don't have a very great immune system, so I ended up pretty sick. My doctor recommended that once I get a little better, I have my tonsils removed. So I did. And it was at this time when I started to notice that I couldn't really hear. My name is Joe McDonough, and I'm Amanda's father. Amanda was in many, many musicals as she was growing up in high school, and so she always tended to get one of the main parts in the musicals. I knew that she wore hearing aids and that she had some hearing impairment, but when your daughter's playing leads in musicals, how serious could it be, right? I'm Julie McDonough, and I am Amanda's mother. I picked up the phone, I dialed her as I always do, and she says, Mom, I know you're there on the phone, but I can't hear you. Will you text me? Well, there was a falling out with the um, boyfriend at the time. (laughs) He got sick. I took care of him. And then while I was sick, he went on a short vacation to San Francisco with a couple of his friends. And... The day after he came back, he comes up to me and tells me that he cheated on me in San Francisco. So one of the first um, lip-breeding sentences I did was, I cheated on you in San Francisco. (laughs) 
becoming deaf was a journey all of us took with her, but a lot of us declined to acknowledge. That made it harder, I think, sometimes for Amanda. She lost her ability to hear Julie first, but she could still hear the lower end of my voice. She lost her ability to hear my wife. Of course, she says I had lost that ability too, but. <laughs> <laughs> when I became deaf, it was almost a relief. I spent my entire life being afraid of losing any more of my hearing. I spent my entire life praying every night, please don't let it get any worse, please don't let it get any worse. And when it was finally all gone, I was just kind of like, <sighs> all right, now what do I do? Hi, it's Jane. Your one o'clock station is in. Thanks, Sally. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. I'm Jane Gay, a clinical audiologist in the adult cochlear ear implant program at House Clinic in Los Angeles. She came in and um, she was very, very clear that she hadn't made up her mind if this was the direction she wanted to go in. She just she said, "I, you know, I, I'm just trying to accept that this has happened to me." Here we go. Ten to twenty, twenty-five percent of implant users are able to enjoy music. You recognize that? That's from the Nutcracker, but unfortunately, not everybody. So now I'm going to play. This is just bare bones cochlear implant. I could see it at first when she came out of that appointment and she hadn't made a final decision and she was like crying one second and happy the other. I was like, I'm gonna get it. And I slammed my hands down on the table and I was like, I'm not gonna think about it anymore. I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm getting it and we're not talking about it anymore. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so tomorrow I am scheduled for my cochlear implant surgery. At 9 a.m. I have my last meeting with my surgeon, Dr. House. Good morning. How are you all? We were joking the other day at lunch about how like, you can watch ESPN before a game and find out if a player's knee is bothering them. You can try and tell whether or not they're going to play as well that day. I wish they did that with surgeons. The surgery itself will take about an hour to an hour and a half. When you come out of surgery, you'll go to a, re go to a recovery room for about an hour. In about three weeks, she will receive her external processor. Thanks so much, Dr. House. You're very welcome. And I will see you all this afternoon. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Lee, anesthesiologist. Nice to meet you. I'm the one main guy who put you to sleep and wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> Your life in my hand now. <laughs> it smells like peppermint. Okay, good night. Bye. The sound will come in just like it normally does. It hits the eardrum and goes through the little ear bones. It vibrates the fluid, but there's no little sensors there to sense the vibration. So what happens is the sound doesn't get transmitted onto the brain. So what's internal is the receiver and the electrodes. The external processors were 
the computer is that takes sound, processes the sound, converts the sound to an electrical message, causes the electrodes then to stimulate the hearing nerve itself. Coming out of the anesthesia was not fun. A couple of days I had a, had a little bit of difficulty with the recovery. Um, it was really dizzy. There was pain. It's two days before the outer piece of my cochlear implant gets put on. And I am really nervous. <laughs> I've started becoming frustrated been trying to communicate with my own family members and I started um, kind of isolating myself a little more than usual. Yesterday my uncle came over, my aunt was here, my grandmother, my parents, my brother, everyone's sitting around our kitchen table. They're talking and having grand old time and I couldn't keep up. I couldn't figure out who was talking when. I got so frustrated when I started to water and I just walked out of the house and went for a walk because I couldn't, because in my life I'm alone in this and I know they try, I really, really do, but they'll never understand what it's like to be me, to live in a world that is completely silent all the time and where you feel utterly and completely alone. Okay. okay. I'm going to turn this on. It's going to give you a little bit of a jolt in the beginning. A jolt? You'll see. It'll take just a couple seconds before it kicks on. I feel this weird kind of like vibration. Mm -hmm. Amanda. Can you hear my voice? Wow, that do you do you hear my really voice? Can does it sound weird? It, it sounds like <laughs> a robot. A robot. That's okay. Are my do you hear words? Not really. Is my voice far far away or is it right here in the room? Oh my god, it just changed. <laughs> okay. Um, is my voice right here in the room, or is it far, far away? It's a little far away, but I can hear words now. Okay. It's going to get better and better. I just made my voice come in a little bit closer. Is that a little better? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> and you're understanding me. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Here. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay, everybody cries, even I do. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> I haven't heard somebody say a word in so long. I know, come here. Oh. 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 Got it? Yes, I can hear the phone ring now. Which is exciting. I got bubble wrap the other day. I was um, putting my diploma in um, its frame, and the frame was covered in bubble wrap. So I take the bubble wrap off, and I accidentally popped one. It was like, oh my gosh, what is that? So then, of course, I have to lay down on the floor and like start pounding them out. 
My mom thought I was a little crazy. She's sitting here watching TV and I'm sitting on the floor of the living room, 22 years old, popping bubble wrap like a five-year-old child with my eyes wide and all excited. So that's what it's been like. Every day I get a new sound and then I have to learn it and memorize it and understand it. Music is actually starting to sound a little better. When it comes to like music I know like from the past, music I'm really familiar with, it starts sounding a little more like music. I'm deaf. I'm always going to be deaf. The second this thing comes off, the second it runs out of batteries, I hear nothing. Nothing at all. Complete silence. And sometimes I really like that. Sounds can be overwhelming. Like, people talking can get annoying. Sometimes I just like to take it off just because, you know what, I could use some silence for a few minutes. The Rest is Silence was produced by Brian Calvert and first appeared on Unfictional with Bob Carlson from KCRW. Amanda McDonough is now an actress, activist, and soon-to-be author. She's been regularly appearing on the show Switched at Birth from ABC Family. While some people struggle with hearing loss, others, myself included, struggle with hearing too much. I hear sounds that aren't there, like high-pitched tones that come and go, appearing out of nowhere and disappearing just as unpredictably. Canadian radio producer Paolo Pietropaolo, whose work we've featured many times on this program, has the same problem, only worse, as the tone in his ears never goes away. And of course, being a radio producer, he decided to make this beautiful story about his struggle to keep the sounds at bay. Baseball. Northwest. Northwest. Baseball. Baseball. Hardware. Noise. Mm-mm. This is the sound of inside my head. This is the sound of inside my head. Actually, it's more like this. Because it's only in my left ear. And fortunately, it's a lot quieter. Something maybe like this. Silence is my enemy. Noise is my friend. Northwest? Northwest. Hello. Hello, Paulo. Hi, Gordon. Airplane. Airplane. You know, I can I can empathize with your tinnitus. This is the sound of inside my head. I know how much the inescapable component of it not only cuts you off from the outside world, but can drive you crazy. Do you mind if I ask you about being crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I know. Really, especially in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you just, like, you're lying there and you just think, A, I'm going crazy. B, uh, I'm losing my hearing. C, something worse is happening. Because it's the middle of the night and it, and it crowds it crowds out your thinking, too. Yeah. It escalates, you know what I mean? Silence is my enemy. One night when my husband and I were going to sleep, there was a dripping sound. And where we lived, the rain would fall on the windowsill and make this dripping sound. And, and he said, listen to the sound of the rain. I love that sound. And it made him happy, and it made him relaxed. 
and I hadn't even noticed the sound. And then when I heard it and listened to it more closely, I said, oh, that's not the rain. It's, that's a faucet dripping in the bathroom. And he said, I can't sleep with that sound. I hate that sound. And he had to get up and turn it off. So it's the same sound, but in one context, his reaction was positive, and in the other, it was quite negative. And I think if you start to be quite bothered by a sound, your brain may in fact turn up the volume of it. Silence has been my enemy. Since the tinnitus started. It's true, if somebody has tinnitus and it's bothersome for them, then you want to, you know, perhaps avoid silence. Noise, by definition, is unwanted sound. Since silence has become my enemy, Mm -hmm. sounds that I would have previously considered to be unwanted, Mm -hmm. background hums, the fridge, Mm -hmm. air conditioning, the hum of the city, Mm -hmm. are no longer unwanted. They've become my allies to block out my tinnitus. Mm-hmm. So then I start to question the definition of noise as unwanted sound. But you see, that's it exactly. It's not, they're not really noise to you, right? The hum of the city and so forth. That's not noise if it's not interfering with anything, if it's not unwanted. Silence. Noise. Noise. Silence. How do you respond to my quandary, though, that ironically in the past few years, I've often found myself being grateful for those those electronic humps that make up such a part of our noise pollution. Listen to your tinnitus more clearly and take interest in it. It still has its message. There's still something for you to hear in that that will help improve your life. So where are we? We are in? We are at St. Paul's Hospital in the Audiology and Ear, Nose and Throat Department. Okay, and where are we going? We're heading down to the sound booth. Is that the constant hum of the hospital in the background? It is the tinnitus of the hospital, Paolo. people say tinnitus, some people say tinnitus. Both are correct. Both are correct. Right, yeah. Okay, you say tinnitus. I say tinnitus. You say silence, I say noise. So this is the deluxe sound booth. This is my side of the booth where the audiometer is. 
And then patients sit on the other side. Can we do a... Can we test my hearing? Yes, we can. All right. But you have to go to the other side. So have a seat there. Most people put in a soundproof booth and asked to listen for, say, five minutes will report hearing sounds that are like tinnitus sounds. What would you like to have tested? They're more likely to do so if there's a loudspeaker in the room. Do I have hearing loss? Do you have hearing loss? Okay. So the mere expectation of hearing a sound will make you more likely to hear tinnitus. Okay, so Paolo, we're going to put these headphones on you. And you're going to start by um, repeating back some words. Okay. Most people that have tinnitus have some hearing loss. Probably one of the most common forms of tinnitus is after you leave a very loud concert and you have a temporary loss of hearing, and with that comes tinnitus. So, Paolo, I'm going to ask you to say some words. Say whitewash. Whitewash. Hardware. Hardware. Playground. Playground. Birthday. Birthday. Northwest. Northwest. Airplane. Airplane. Good. I'm going to say those same words, but as I say them, my voice will get softer. And if you're not sure what I'm saying, just guess. Okay? Okay. Northwest. Northwest. Airplane. Airplane. Playground. Playground. Whitewash. Whitewash. For most people, tinnitus goes away after some period of time. Mm. Boy, that's quiet. Do you know the, the cause of your um, tinnitus? Northwest. I've just learned how to live with it, and I feel like I have a pretty mild case compared to some people. Whitewash. Have you tried uh, changing your lifestyle any? Playground. I sort of have. I don't mm, something. listen as much to my iPod as I used to. Good. We're done that part. Okay. Well, there you go. I used to also work in daily music radio, and sometimes I kind of wonder if just the overload is what led to the tinnitus in the first place. Hearing too much music all the time. I mean, in a way, my, my question, my big question is, has music become noise? Noise. Silence. Noise. Noise. Music. Silence. Paolo, the next test that I'm going to do is going to see how clear speech is for you when it's at a comfortable level. Okay? okay. Say the word pad. Pad. Say the word match. Match. Say the word deep. Now, you deep. say that say you have a background pitch. in radio. Say the word And deep. so you had all this critical listening going on where um, you were editing deep. together shows and, and all, the all the time. Say the word nice. Nice. Perfect. Great. So I have your test results here and they are really good. So you can see your thresholds are a little bit better than zero. And zero represents the average hearing of an 18 year old. Baseball. Mm -mm. Maybe Northwest. Okay. So even though I, I have above average normal hearing, mm -hmm. I still have this ringing in my ear. How is that possible? Where does the sound come from? When we hear sound, 
what's happened is sound vibrations have traveled through air to our ear and our ear has changed that mechanical energy into biochemical energy that the brain can interpret as sound. And that biochemical energy is essentially an electrical signal that travels through the auditory system of the brain. But there's enough background activity in the auditory system of the brain that we can hear it. And that is what tinnitus is if we listen under the right circumstances or if something brings it on. So it's like the background hum of the brain. Let's see, sort of internal noise of the brain. Your brain will filter out information it doesn't need, and it's a good thing that our brain works that way, because if it didn't, we'd be aware of all sounds all the time. So our brain picks and chooses what it will bring to our conscious attention. If the brain identifies tinnitus as a threatening sound or an annoying sound, it is more likely to bring it to your attention and that's when it can start to become a problem for people. Noise. So in a way it's taking a sound that was just background hum, it was just noise, mm -hmm. and it's converting it into signal. It's saying this is something that I've got to pay attention to. Listen to your tinnitus. It still has its message. One of the things I've always wondered with you is, are you more tuned to hearing your tinnitus because you are so, so much of your life and your career is involved with listening? I mean, you're listening to everything, right? So that may make you more likely to be aware of tinnitus. It's like a job hazard. It's a bit of a job hazard for you, yeah. <laughs> But if tinnitus is only there when you're listening for it, and then when you hear it, it's not creating any sort of negative reaction, then for most people it doesn't really matter if it's there. And so I do have patients that will come in and after having done some therapy for a long time, they'll say, you know what, I couldn't hear my tinnitus until I really listened for it. And that's certainly not how they're feeling when they first come in. And some even say, I couldn't hear my tinnitus and I missed it and that surprises them quite a bit that they would have changed their reaction to tinnitus so much. Signal to Noise was produced by Paolo Pietropaolo for the London-based arts organization In the Dark. You can read an interview with Paolo about the making of this story on our website, thirdcoastfestival.org. 
While you're there, make us hear you. Send your comments, questions, rants, and raves to resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. Coming up after a break, a man who's figured out how to extract voices from inanimate objects. And as a demonstration, I'm going to drill uh, into the stage floor right now. Stay with us. The sounds we make don't just fade away. They become embedded in the objects around us, our walls, the ceiling, the chairs you're sitting in right now. They're all receptors for the moving air molecules that push gently on everything they reach. And I've developed a technology to listen. You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. Today we're listening to stories about hearing, a complex system of circuitry that's vulnerable to all sorts of interruptions, misfires, and breakdowns. Imagine, for example, losing your ability to enjoy music of any kind at any volume. That's the fate of Leslie Sclare. Still, he's found ways to cope by discovering quiet retreats and writing haikus, short poems of 17 syllables, that he considers his zone of tranquility. Here's his story, 575. It's in Kyoto, and it's a little sort of garden, sort of a sandy garden with seven rocks. And these rocks are supposed to have immense meaningfulness in Japanese culture. People go there and just sit and look at these rocks and presumably indulge their inner lives. And uh, that, that, that's, that would be good for me. I have the smallest room in the house, uh, which is not a loo, but it's just a very small room. When we moved here, this it was it was a couple, just a couple, um, and she had an enormous wardrobe of clothes, and this whole room, uh, it was like a boutique, and I got a great deal of satisfaction thinking, well, I'm going to rip all this out and turn it into my study. My haiku books are my diaries. I don't do a separate diary. This is, I consider this the diary of my inner and outer life here. Well, I'm basically an anal character. I I don't know if you've read any Freud or any of that. But um, the 575, for me, is a very good order you know if i can get five syllables seven syllables five syllables and express what i want to express that's very satisfying for me da 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 that's the rhythm next one august sunday the 8th of august 2009 The community shield is meaningless if you lose. We won, three won. (laughs) 
I write quite a few haikus about football, and um, but that one I thought was that was Chelsea, if you remember. One of the great regrets of my life is that I'm completely unmusical. I mean, I used to love music, but then I had a um, a neurological uh, problem, which is um, uh, an intolerance to loud to noise. So maybe this is um, uh, a sort of substitute for that. There's a wonderful uh, CD by Miles Davis called Kind of Blue. And I used to listen to it all the time and I, I do miss that. For the first few seconds, maybe a minute, I think it might be pleasurable, but then... I realise it's not. Well, it was a TIA, a transient ischemic attack, which is somewhere between a stroke, uh, sort of internal bleeding, and something called uh, labyrinthitis, which is a disturbance in the inner ear which affects the balance. The only way I can describe it is that um, I'd go into a restaurant or a pub uh, and there'd be a wall of sound. And my brain would immediately uh, go into a sort of flight mode. So I'd just remove myself. The haiku is a little zone of tranquility. This is my little sort of space. So I like the space. That's the rhythm. Five Seven Five was produced by Flo Neve, and this is its debut presentation. Da 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 da. So far on ReSound, we've presented stories about the way hearing can go awry. But now we ask, are there things that should never be listened to? Are there things we weren't meant to hear? That is the question at the heart of this radio play called The Extractor. Wow. Oh, there are more people here than I expected. That's great. Okay, welcome. Uh, I have a presentation for you, and afterwards I'm going to open it up to some questions that I'm sure you're going to have. So, uh, uh, great. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to you now in life in this room, although there are, uh, it's dark, I can't see everybody. Um, but I'm here, we're all here. And as I talk, my words bounce around the room and eventually they fade away. But my voice will be here forever. The 
sounds we make don't just fade away. They become embedded in the objects around us, our walls, the ceiling, the chairs you're sitting in right now. They're all receptors for the moving air molecules that push gently on everything they reach, compressing, expanding, imprinting their artifacts like rings on a tree. And I've developed a technology to listen. Using a small needle that extracts a nanoscopic cross-section, my technology detects the effects of air pressure on solid objects over time. It's all right there, as decodable as grooves on a record. Sound. Wait. No, no, no. You're listening to me the moment I made my discovery. Uh, honey? Here, let me play. Can you, uh, can you run that again? Wait. No, no, no. Huh, honey? There were no tape recorders in the room, no audio surveillance devices. I extracted that from my workbench three weeks later. I did it. What did you do? I did it. Uh, this is my kitchen table. Are you finished? You're done? You're the, this is my wife. It's done. It's not done. I mean, I, but I did it in a prototype. So does this mean you won't be down there anymore? I am here. You know where I am? I'll tell you where I am. I'm in the walls. I'm in the table. I'm in this... I'm in the floorboards. I'm here around you all the time. All you have to do is poke the wall with this. <laughs> I don't want to. I just want you to be in front of me like you are now. Everybody in the world will have a use for this. It doesn't work on every surface. The sample needs to be well preserved. Paint varnish. Even a heavy object stacked on top will compress the molecules and destroy the imprint. And it needs to be just the right material. Plaster crumbles into dust when you try to extract it, and stone is too dense, and brick is inconsistent. It turns out the best materials are varieties of wood. Walnut's my favorite. It's resilient enough to catch the sound, yet sturdy enough to retain a full, rich spectrum. You see this? This talisman I wear around my neck? This is a walnut sphere. It's catching every sound that happens every day of my life. And when I die, this sphere will be here for my children and my children's children so they can listen to every sound I've ever experienced. I would like you all to take a moment and dream with me. It is now possible to hear anything from the past recapture dead languages, or listen to the sounds of extinct animals, dinosaurs, or maybe eavesdrop on the signing of the Declaration of Independence, or listen to Shakespeare performed at the Globe, or maybe listen to the conversation leading up to your parents' first kiss, or, or better yet, your first kiss. Just imagine. The possibilities are as endless as the wood that surrounds us. You can hear anything. All you need is the right piece of wood. And as a demonstration, I'm going to drill uh, into the stage floor right now. And as you can see, there's very little hardware involved. Its main component is this very small hair-like but very sharp diamond needle. It's actually a tube. 
hold it in the light like that, you could see that it's a tiny, tiny tube, and uh, it uses carefully calibrated air pressure to suck out a cross-section of the wood, and the depth of its penetration determines the length of time we're going back. So uh, it's just sensitive to about one-tenth of a millisecond, giving us a frequency response of five kilohertz, but we hope soon to get that up to 20. So I insert the needle and press the button. And it converts the data into numbers, giving us a standard audio file. And as you'll see, it's very fast. Wow. Oh, there are more people here than I expected. That's great. Okay, welcome. Uh, I have a presentation for you, and afterwards I'm going to open it up to some questions that I'm sure you're going to have. So, uh, uh, great. I'm asking for $22 million in exchange for 10% of my company sound extractor. I believe that this technology is going to be highly profitable and I am looking for a suitable venture capital partner. Are there any questions? Yes, you, sir. And front, yeah, come on, if you could step up to that mic so we can all hear you. Yes. Uh, hi, can you hi. hear me? Yes. Um, Hi, I'm with Angel Investments. Oh, okay. I didn't know you guys would be here. That's great. Um, I have a two-part question. Shoot. How readily available is this technology? Are you the only one that can use it? Well, this is the only working prototype right here. Uh, it's difficult to replicate, but we hope to have a consumer model within the next three years. What about today? Can it work today? Well, uh, for, for demonstration purposes, yes. Absolutely. I just used used it just now and it can be reused over and over and over it's well the reason I, I i am a venture capitalist as i said mm -hmm. but my passion is music okay a week ago i was working on my piano and i came up with a beautiful melody mm -hmm. and i forgot you it. don't have the memory of it see this is this is an application i haven't even considered the arts uh, that's incredible, a great idea. I, although a piano, because of the sheer amplitude and the quantity of the sound vibrations against the wood of the piano, it could prove quite difficult. I haven't done oh, that I, yet. I didn't bring the piano, but I brought a picture frame that was above it, above the piano. Uh huh. Could well, you pull it from there? Uh, because I need You know what, come on up here. Come really? on up, let me show you, let me show everybody. Here we, okay, thank you, come on. Stand right here. This right is the here. picture frame right yeah. here. You want to That's tell it. me? Okay. Oh, um, when when did you compose this this masterpiece? Uh, <laughs> a week ago a week Thursday. Ago, a week ago Thursday. Okay. Around what time? Well, I was just home from work, and it was before Jeopardy, so about six forty. Six forty. Six forty-one. Okay. And as I said, it's sensitive to up to a one tenth of a millisecond. Okay. I'm going to insert the needle. Press the button. It's converting the extraction into a data file. Oh my god, that's me. <laughs> oh, it's pretty quick. Oh. This is the tune. <laughs> well, congratulations, you've just resurrected it from from uh That's you. That's your song? Yeah. You did this song? Oh, yes. Because I, I kind of... Um, get, no. Okay, forget it. Could I just have my picture frame, please? Uh, yes. Here, you know what? Leave, leave your card with me. I'll have your email. I'll send that MP3 you file to, to you, and you can turn it into... You don't need to. That's it's fine. A, um, I have the album. 
So you could see how quickly that, that works. Um, thank you, sir. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, ma'am, right over here. Can you, yeah, I'm sorry. Just make room for her to, there you go. She's gonna, yeah, right up to the microphone. Thank you. Okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Anne-Marie Cullen. Okay. Uh, my husband is a venture capitalist with Rubin oh. and Goldstein. Oh, great. Good. <laughs> um, what I'm wondering about are legal concerns. Aren't you worried about privacy? Could these extractions possibly be admissible in court? That's a good question. I've given it some thought. I'm not an attorney, but I do think that this would be no less objective than, than DNA evidence, for example. So let's, uh, something like uh, a jewelry box that's been sitting in a, a bedroom. You could hear what's been going on uh, for the last couple of weeks in that bedroom. One could, potentially, yeah. Yes. Uh, I because don't. I'm involved in a case right now. Uh-huh. And I have actually the jewelry box with me. I have it right here. It is wood. Okay. And uh, if you could listen. Oh, that is a uh, qu quick show of hands. How many people here brought items that they'd. All right. Um, I tell you what, I would like you to contact my office. We will schedule a meeting and we will make sure that justice is served. Thank you You're very welcome. much. Very Thank much. Thank you. I don't know very if that's helpful. going to affect my Thank chances you. with. Uh, Rubenstein Goldfarb, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, any questions? Okay, uh, sir. Yes, I see your hand. Right. There you go. Yeah, please uh, step on over to the microphone. Uh, hi, uh, hi, my name is Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Uh, this is my wife, Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. Uh, hi. Hi. Welcome. Hi, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm the CFO of Upstart Startups. The crowdfunding, crowdfunding. side. Great. Exactly, yeah. I like to say we're... We're kind of like Kickstarter before Kickstarter. We were there <laughs> first. And uh, actually, we were what Kickstarter used to fund Kickstarter. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You should definitely put that on your, uh, on yeah, your website. It's That's kind of a feather in our cap. Great. Well, I, I just want to say that, the, first of all, this technology of yours is going to change the world. Thank you. I hope you know that. I, I, it's great to hear. Yeah. Thank you. I just want to give you just a... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, this, this is, is going to be yeah. huge. Um, you can tell, I don't know. Our little girl died last year. She was killed by a drunk driver. I'm sorry for your loss. This, this was her favorite toy. Mm -hmm. um, my father carved it, actually. Um, he, he carved one for me when I was a kid. So we have matching, head matching. Yeah, I don't, I think you mentioned walnut. I don't think it's walnut. It's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't, the type of wood, you could do this with any type of Right, any wood. wood. Great, yeah. Well, some, some woods so, are better than... Mm -hmm. um, so you could listen right now. Uh, I mean, you'd listen to the picture frame. And right. We came from... Um, we, we drove all the way from Vermont. <clears throat> it was a 10-hour drive. Yes, come up. Come on up here. There's absolutely... Uh, let's just stand right here. You know what? Here, okay. use this microphone so people can hear you. Oh. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank you. This is it? Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, the horse's name is Chocolate. Uh, yeah. Um, our little girl's name was Carly. Okay. She, this is... she was playing with it. Um, on... She was playing with it on the day that she was killed. Mm -hmm. So if we, could if, if we could hear some of her last day... What was the date? 
Day it two. was December 7th. Okay. And she was killed at 6.30 p.m. December 7th? Yeah. Um, I guess go back uh, go back to 6 p.m. I guess if it's 6 you, p.m. You can do that. It's sensitive within one-tenth of a millisecond. Uh, so this... Uh, another example of uh, an application for the technology. Okay, so I'm going to insert the needle. It's, and it's going to take a while, or? And press right. the button. This should. Okay, I have a hard time making friends at the barn, too, except our barn is called school. I want to be free. I want to be free, too, Chocolate. But I have a mom. Harley? Oh. Harley, put chocolate away. It's time to go. I'm in the middle of something. Come on, put the horse down. We're going to be late. I don't want to go. Harley, I am not going to ask you again. Okay, I do not have time for this. Can I bring chocolate? No, chocolate stays here. Okay, come on. Bye, chocolate. I love you. <laughs> that was her. Okay. So that uh, that that may not be the exact thing that you were wanting to hear, but no. I'm sure that the no. that this beautiful no. wooden horse is f- just filled with worthwhile memories I've and and and, and and this this technology to extract those those would be um, so uh, you know when you go into the past you don't know what I you're just, going to find. I just I don't want to be here. The uh, do you want to? Okay, I'm just gonna take the horse. Thank you, thank you, sir, and and uh, and ma'am. The uh, so the uh, there are a lot of emotions in life. <clears throat> uh, you know, I was gonna save this part for later in the presentation, but I think it's appropriate right now. Um, uh, this is <laughs> this is one of the triumphs of sound extractor. It just may be. Uh, when I discovered this, it, it just may have been the most exciting moment of my life. Uh, would you play it? Please play it up. See if you can guess who this is. Could you please move over? Practically off the bed as it is. Well, I don't have very much over here. I've got one foot on the floor. Look at this. You do not have one foot on the floor. Well, I've got one foot half out the bed anyway. Well, that's because you're too tall, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, that was Abraham Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd. They're not lost to time anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They're living in a wooden bedpost I sourced from a warehouse in Washington, D.C. Brought them back to life. Sounds we thought were forever lost now exist everywhere. And they're just waiting for us to listen. For just $22 million for a 10% stake in my company, I invite you to take a journey with me into the future because I cannot wait to hear what Sound Extractor will tell us about our past. Thank you very much. The Extractor was produced for the podcast The Truth by Jonathan Mitchell. The role of the inventor was played by Ed Herbstman. Jonathan told me how and where he came up with the idea for the extractor. I was at the Cloisters, which is a museum in New York, uh, with my wife, who actually used to work there. And we saw these interesting sculptures in the shape of feet. 
and she was explaining to me that they were reliquaries and that there were bones of saints um, inside the wood carving or whatever it's made of. I started thinking about what would a reliquary for sound be like? And so I started thinking about a piece like that and somehow that connected to um, the idea of collecting sounds. What if you could just stick a needle into a solid object and extract the sound? And um, I also think it's an interesting idea to think about how our relationship with the past today is different than it might be like a hundred years from now. I think people looking back on our time now, you know, will have far more recorded material to sift through than we have of what happened a hundred years before us. And how will that affect people's perceptions of us? How how will that affect um, how what history means to us? You know, in this, the arc of the story is such that it goes along and along and along and you're like, ooh, 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 and you're kind of fascinated and then you're like, ooh. but then you don't go too much farther than that and I'm just wondering how you like decided how far to go I mean yeah up until that point it sort of played a little bit for comedy and then something happens that's clearly not funny and I thought that was an interesting position I I guess I like feeling a little bit uncomfortable and so I like to kind of create those those sort of left turns and stories where you're not quite sure how to feel about something and then you have to kind of rediscover where you stand in relation to it. I mean, if you had to summarize what you want the listener to walk away thinking about or walk away with as a as as the writer of the piece, what would you what would you say? Anything other than <laughs> that that sucked. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I really want to tell people what to think about it. I think this is like a science fiction story that's really about our present day. If this was out there in the marketplace and you could extract sound from any one object, what would it be? I don't know. See, I I, um, I actually obsessively record things as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need you don't need this device. Is that what <laughs> yeah, you're saying? Yeah, this, this is this is sort of like a, yeah, this is my reality. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would probably go to the past. I would probably go to something. I would go back and try to find um, things that happened to me when I was a kid. You know, I would I would go back to my old, maybe my old toys or something. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about this particular piece? Um, I wrote all the music for it. There was a clarinet, a double bass, and marimba. Um, there, there was instruments were chosen because they're all made of wood. And so like the vibrating marimba is supposed to be like the sound waves that are kind of bubbling in the wood. I wanted it to be very evocative of just that woodiness <laughs> that you hear in clarinets. You know, you know, it's got this dark, rich, melodic role. And, and then you really hear the instrument in a double bass, and uh, especially the, the woodness of it. And, and I just wanted to like kind of be evocative of, of that woody sound. Jonathan Mitchell, producer, writer, and composer of the podcast, The Truth. You got three minutes. You got two spots. I'm crazy about the unedited stuff. I'm very excited about the non-editing. Even the hem, uh, the hawing and the hemming, that's also part of that person. 
Here in Chicago, we are inspired by many things. The water twinkling off Lake Michigan, the soaring skyscrapers we're so famous for, and one man who transformed the way we talk and think, Studs Terkel. And I say, my, this must be fascinating. Join us on June 3rd for a listening event to celebrate the finalists of this year's Short Talks Challenge, which invited everyone and anyone to produce radio stories inspired by Studs, his insatiable curiosity, and his outsized personality. I'll be your host, and we'll listen to lots of stories by turns delightful and heartbreaking. And you will get to weigh in by voting for your favorite story. So come over to the Co-Prosperity Sphere in Bridgeport on Wednesday, June 3rd for an evening of suds, studs, and fun. For more information and to buy your tickets, visit shortdocs.brownpapertickets.com. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear more than 1,500 outstanding documentaries from around the world and subscribe to our podcast. Support for ReSound comes from Emma a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Riva and David Logan Foundation and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival is supported in part by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council Agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.